language and culture lovers. This is Jules, your host of the All Things Iceland podcast. Welcome to this week's episode, which is the second of a three-part interview that I did with Jón Gnar, Iceland's funniest and most famous mayor of Reykjavik. If you haven't listened to part one of this interview, I highly recommend that you do. Plus, it will provide context to some of what we discuss in this episode. For part two, Jón and I have a fascinating philosophical discussion. I learn about the profound impact that Taoism, Surrealism, and Judo had on his life, and more about during his time in political office as the mayor. As I mentioned in part one, because we were at his home, there is some background noise from his 10-month-old puppy, Klake, and some construction outside. I apologize in advance for some of the background noise. Also, I'd like to give a shout-out to Fashion Lover, who wrote the following review about the podcast. Our family is excited to be planning our first trip to Iceland for next summer. I have been eating up any and all info I can find on Iceland, and this podcast is one of my favorite sources. I listen to it on my walks, and if anyone walking by me hears me trying to pronounce the Icelandic word of the week out loud, they must think I'm nuts, (laughs) which is amazing. (laughs) But it's so much fun trying. Thanks for the great information. Thank you for that review, fashion lover. If you are enjoying the podcast, leave a review and you might get a shout out in one of the episodes. Lastly, I shared the word klakke, which means ice, in the last episode. This time around, I thought it might be helpful to teach you how to say mayor of Reykjavik. This is a little bit more advanced, but I think you'll do just fine. So mayor of Reykjavik is borgastjore. Reykjavíkur. Now say that a little bit slower. Borgarstjóri Reykjavíkur. So the first word, borgarstjóri, I'm going to break that up. Borgarstjóri. Borgarstjóri. And the last word, Reykjavíkur. 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 So altogether, Borgastjore Reykjavíkur, which literally translates to city boss of Reykjavík, <laughs> which is the mayor, and I think is quite appropriate. You'll notice that Reykjavík in this word comes out as Reykjavíkur, and that is because it is declined in the genitive form. That is a whole other story for another day in terms of the different cases in which words can be declined in Icelandic. And I think that will be enough, at least for this episode of Icelandic vocabulary and grammar. But now you know how to say Mayor of Reykjavik. I hope you enjoy listening to part two of this interview. Go the Skemtun! So you were talking a bit about how being a comedian prepared you for being mayor. I was prepared to stand on stage, stand before people and give talks and so on. And uh, and I had been doing that as a, as an actor and as a stand-up comic here. Uh, so the confidence was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel good, like, on yeah. stage. And everyone knew you as well, right? Yes, everybody knew who I was. So I didn't have any trouble with standing in front of crowds of people and uh, 
saying a few words. Yeah. <laughs> and funny things as well, because that's almost an, it's an expectation of you yes. to yeah, entertain yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Absolutely. And I think it's a, it, it's a, it's a good thing. Uh, I mean, comedians, in my experience, are m- most comedians I have got to know from all around the world, usually v- very good-hearted people. Yeah. And um, not all of them, but m- most of them are intelligent and also very good-hearted people. <clears throat> and I think this is something that, you know, as as a comic, if I mean, people who know who you are or follow your comedy or whatever, they kind of also know what kind of a person you are, mm-hmm. in a way. I mean, yeah. stand-up is usually very, very personal. Mm-hmm. It Sounds like therapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're telling people about your personal life, sometimes, like, very personal life. Yeah. You know, it gives you an advantage, you know. You can label it populism if if you like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to put a label on something, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or try yeah. to box it in to some degree. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've read the Tao Te Ching many times. Okay. And it is a pleasant surprise when I was reading about you, mm-hmm. and that you have your own interpretation of the book's core principle: doing, yeah. not doing, in yes. essence. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm just curious: when did you start to embody that principle and was it difficult to practice in office? Wow, that's that's a fascinating question. I am so influenced and affected by Taoism mm-hmm. since early childhood. Wow, okay. When I was 13, I read the Icelandic translation of the Tao Te Ching and I was somewhat like, I didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, alien, very alien. But I still couldn't uh, get rid of it. Or I, I had to keep it, and I and I thought I'll I'll read it I'll read it again. Mm-hmm. This is why I've read it several times. Read it again, yeah. I was born in nineteen sixty seven, so I was a teenager in the eighties. Mm-hmm. I admired Bruce Lee and mm-hmm. Bruce Lee films. Yeah, and what Bruce Lee was saying. Uh, a lot of the same things that were said in the Tao Te Ching, like about water and about flowing, mm-hmm. be like, be like, like he said, would be like water, my friend, and and I was like, can this somehow be connected? And and at the time, it wasn't uh, that easy to find information here in Iceland about things because, you know, there was no internet, uh, and I didn't speak or read. Uh, English that well at the time because it wasn't considered of importance to speak English when I was growing up uh, it was really important to speak Danish so I would speak perfect Danish (laughs) no use for it unless you wanted to live in Denmark I guess (laughs) and uh, so this book uh, I've had the same book the same uh, uh, Tao Te Ching book since I was 13. Wow. I still have that book and I've never uh, lost it or got rid of it or uh, uh, and it's the only book I have from from my early childhood. Uh, different times in my life like difficult times I've read it and sometimes when I haven't had anything to read I've read it and, mm. uh, and read it and then you know different translations and and I only I, I can only read 
English and Icelandic and and the Scandinavian languages and some German. So I I collected translations. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And it must be fascinating to read it in another language. Yes. Yeah. 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 Their own way of interpreting it too. Yeah, and I've I've uh, like I think the last version of it was uh, when I heard Ursula Le Guin. She uh, made the translation of of the Tao Te Ching, and and so I had to read it <laughs> like her translation. And uh, something that has always been a very important part of my life. Yeah. Another thing, I train judo. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Nice. I've been training judo and. Uh, and a big part in judo, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with judo. Really. No, I know no. of it. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. really what happens. No, but, <laughs> but uh, it somehow is like using your opponent's energy against mm. himself. And always, always also when you when you get into the technique of judo is don't be predictable. Don't let your opponent know what you're going to do before you do it. Right. So, so, and that's that's a technique, and also one of the things that that Bruce Lee taught, yeah. you know, the way of no way, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> and and don't do feel, and also make your opponents unaware of your strengths. Pretend to be weaker than you are. Pretend mm-hmm. to uh, be more absent than you are. And lure the your opponents into underestimating you. Mm. That's going to be their mistake. Yes, <laughs> which it seemed to have been for your political opponents. Yes, yes. Somehow, for me, it was a combination of Taoism and Surrealism. <laughs> I was, that is fantastic. Yes, it yeah. is fantastic because it was just like I was thinking, like, okay, Shalpatkaksai, which I called. Uh, uh, when they were uh, the political opponents, which were like really uh, much, much stronger than we were. Is this the were. Independence Party? Or what? Is this the Independence Party? or? Something? Yeah, the yeah. Independence Party, which is like a very established, uh, organized political party. And we were just this disorganized group of uh, artists yeah. and they were just coming on like really they were confronting us and you know there were people just coming up with things to ask me and how to deal with me and da, da, da. it was like a group of people and I was just alone I didn't have like an office or anything to prepare for them and and they were attacking us from different directions yeah. and I would and we were like really upset and we really wanted to retaliate, mm. say something back. And I would say, no, let's not do that. Let's just let them keep on doing what they're doing. And, and eventually it will turn against them. Mm. People will realize they're not criticizing, mm. they're bullies. Yeah. They are bullies and let them get more secure with themselves and expose how much bullies they are. Suddenly, people will look at them and say, wow, they're bullies. And they will like, what? (laughs) But it's not me. (laughs) It's not me. (laughs) (laughs) And so, so that's what we did. And like, when we were giving talks in City Hall, 
by council meetings when they would come up and they would just bang, 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 uh, criticize me and, you know, talk down to me and us mm. and da, da, da. And you have no idea what you're doing and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, city is out of control and uh, uh, you're a clown and blah, blah, blah. And I would come up and I would thank them. And, yeah, thank you. It was uh, uh, most thoughtful things you've said here and, uh, you know, made me really think and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I would congratulate them and uh, and that would, you know, that would infuriate them. They would, mm. you know... Kill them like, with kindness. Yeah, yeah. So they, so next time they come up, they would be even more brutal. And then more brutal and more brutal until they were just bullies. <laughs> and everybody could see, yeah. you know, you are a bully and you're out of control. Get a grip of yeah, yourself. It's like or... the power struggle. You know, it's like the, like the ring or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. Know, like obsessed with this thing. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess that's uh, how, how, and also like with Taoism, it's like, finding the delicate balance like sometimes when you have a big problem that nobody can probably nobody can solve it is really a problem complicated problem but just by listening to people and acknowledging the problem it makes a big difference even though you don't have the solution and it's maybe maybe it's very manly to want to have the solution like i i, I, don't, I don't have to listen to you but i have a solution <laughs> maybe yeah. i don't know and that's something that i try to give people and that's something i have i've tried to to train myself you know, to, to give people attention because it's really rare yeah, that people great. people give attention and, and that's something also that I've uh, I've learned from Taoism. There are so many things. I mean, it's such a big uh, part of me, I would yeah. say. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like Taoist uh, methods that I used and, and I would say the best party was the Taoist Surrealist party. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think it's actually pretty fascinating though that you're we're introduced to it so early in life. Yes. So it doesn't happen for a lot of Western cultures, meaning like, no. get it, unless you have some type of a resource, like a person or yeah. something where it just happens to be in your life. But yeah, like I didn't know about the Tao or really about Taoism until fairly recently no, out of curiosity. Yes. And no. then all of a sudden it's just like, wow, okay, uh-huh. this is... So beyond any way I've ever thought about yeah. things. But are you familiar with uh, Bruce Lee's story? Yes, yes, yeah. I am. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, like, but I would have never known any other part of meaning, like it being in the, you know, the art of living or something. Uh-huh. I would have. I don't know anything about that. Right? So no, listening no. to Bruce Lee, of course, he sounded really profound. He had very yeah. simple statements that were really uh-huh. profound. Yes. And yeah. so you, you're connecting with it, but you don't know what to do with it. No. Exactly. You know, you don't have yeah, a teacher. Yeah. You don't uh-huh. have any. Ability to expand upon it, and no. I mean, and, and and he was a philosopher. Yeah. And also, Taoism is also somewhat connected with uh, with anarchism, political mm. anarchism. Yeah. It's like without control. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's also a big part of Taoism yeah. that you know you don't you try to obtain from 
controlling things. Right. You let them exactly. develop naturally. I love the part where it talks about if you're the leader, in essence, right? But the uh-huh. people don't know they're being led. Yes. And that when, you know, afterwards, they're like, when things are going well or successful, they're like, look at us. We did it all by ourselves. Yeah. Right? They're not, the the no. leader has is nowhere around. No, and leader is not concerned with taking credit right. for something. Exactly. So, exactly. And that's a huge ego part that a lot of people have. Yeah, when you yeah, want yeah. to be that center person that gets the reward of having, you know, led this movie. Yeah, and I, exactly. And I mean, it's it's like, you know, I, like I have tried to raise my children this way. Yeah. That, you know, I will try to help them understand something. And when they realize and understand it, I don't jump forward and take credit right. for it. It's like, remember when I told you about that? <laughs> <laughs> like, Ooh, that was me! Yeah. You know, uh, I'm just uh, happy that you know they have this realization and and they have the power and the possibility to take it further than right. me. Yeah, so, so many many things that have stuck with me. I like with Tao Ching, like is how you treat your friends and your enemies. Mm-hmm. It's like I treat my friends with respect and you know blah blah. blah. And my enemies, I treat exactly right, the same. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, was, I literally was talking about this last night. Yes. That the whole part about if you don't trust people, you make them untrustworthy. Yes. And I was talking about it with a friend. And a friend was like, but what if the person... is like, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the person had already shown you previously that they were untrustworthy. Uh-huh. You still treat that person as you would a friend or somebody else that you know you can trust. Uh-huh. And that's so difficult, right? Yes, because it's it like... Oh my God! There's a good chance this person's gonna screw me over, yeah. but you've, you know, taken away all these material things and other other stuff that uh-huh. would link any concern about if the person were to steal your watch, uh-huh. right? So it's just there's, but yeah. it's so difficult in your mind because you restrict yourself to thinking that good, bad, uh-huh. and that's how you live your life, and you only, you know, yeah. steer towards the good. Yeah. But, you know, a good man is a bad man's teacher. You're like, all these yes, things are yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. I try to keep in mind, but as uh-huh. a human being, I'm just like, wow, I'm really flawed. <laughs> you know? so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I would, I would say, you know, I, I, I cannot, like, uh, you know, I, I cannot point out specific, so many specific things because it's unfair to uh, yeah. everything else. Because it's like, I am so influenced by loud saying and this philosophy or, or whatever it is. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's I think that's the other part is that they don't want to at least it's taught to not try and label it as something, right? No, it just yeah. it just is, right? Is. <laughs> like yeah. somebody try to explain it. It's like you can't explain it because if you try to understand it then you don't get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just yeah. like, oh my yeah. god. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's also what that, I love about it. It's, yeah. It's fascinating. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's really fascinating. And another uh, Chinese philosopher I'm uh, discovered in in later years is Quanze. Mm, no. Are you you no. know him? Mm-hmm. Oh, he's a. I'll check him out. Yeah. Quanze. Quanze. Nobody knows like with Lao Tse who he was or the origins and all no, that. No, it's right. just you know tales or myths or stories. Quanze is a uh, much more uh, <coughs> humorous. You you probably uh, have heard uh, many have heard the story. There are, it's just like short stories about Quanze. And when Quanze dreamt he was a butterfly, mm. have you heard about the butterfly dream? No, Quanze no. was uh, traveling and he was resting in the forest, 
and he was sleeping and, and he dreamt he was a butterfly flying around mm -hmm. and he saw Kwanze lying there sleeping <laughs> and he thought to himself, oh that's Kwanze, he is probably uh, uh, dreaming and then he realized that maybe he wasn't Kwanze, maybe he was a butterfly. <laughs> yeah, so it's like uh, his stories were yeah, and, and it was another story about like him and other guy walking. They were crossing a river, walking over a bridge, mm -hmm. and they looked down, and there were fish. And the guy said, "Look at the fish, and how happy they are." And Quincy said, "How you're not a fish? How can you know <laughs> that they're happy?" Right. And then the guy said, well, you are not me. Oh. How can you know? I don't know the fish are happy. <laughs> so, uh, Burn. Yeah. so uh, some of it sounds like uh, jokes, but, yeah. but it's actually very thoughtful. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I try to use non-violent methods in communicating with uh, politicians. It sounded like it was difficult at times. It was. I mean, it could be really difficult. Some of them were, uh, they were quite brutal and rude. Yeah. I mean, it was just downright rude. Yeah. And uh, actually, with uh, Dora Dora Biert, when I had an interview with her, we talked yeah. about the discussion culture in Iceland as yeah. well, and yeah. how there is this kind of like domineering masculine aggressiveness yeah. yes. in politics yeah. that has been keeping a lot of people out of politics because they're not able to hit, get their voice heard or not get their opinion out because yeah, yeah. immediately someone's like jumping in and just chatting and or whatever or saying what they think is right and yeah. without any concern for other people's opinions no i mean that's that's uh, uh that's one of the one of the things with icelandic culture it doesn't have that much tradition for dialogue. We've never had to have that much dialogue. But monologue has been practiced here for thousands of years to have your own monologue. So it's, it's a culture of storytelling. It's like to have something to say, right. but not necessarily to keep a conversation because there weren't that many people. <laughs> To communicate, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And also storytellers were revered, right? So they were also keeping people entertained. Yes. And yes. Doing all these things. So yeah. you were having this like one person almost authoritarian in essence. Yeah. Just spurting out what they think is good and, and, and information. Yeah, and information. Information in uh, in stories. And that's how uh, information were was kept. And so there is a tendency to respect uh, monologues and not dialogues. Right. People here don't understand. And in a way, I, I was just thinking this last week, in a way, Icelandic culture is childish. Mm. Yeah, I'm not saying that like in a bad way, like meaning bad. It's right. not bad to be childish, but, but it is childish. Is it, our our uh, customs are often childish our uh, nationalism or yeah, yeah national identity nationalism yeah, and pride and all that yeah, yeah. It can be very childish yeah. can be very comfortable <laughs> but, uh, on the surface the best party came across as a big joke which we talked about already yes but i've heard that your intention was to make democracy more fun 
and to get people more involved in an enjoyable way. So you, know, you talked a little bit about you doing drag and things like that, but were there any other fun things you did or you encouraged people to do to be more no. engaged? Well, it was uh, like, you know, insp trying to inspire people to take responsibility because it's such a, an important ingredient in everything, I would say, and so easily overlooked. We, we have songs about uh, freedom and love and, uh, and stuff like that, but uh, there is no love and there is no freedom without responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> but there are no songs about responsibility. It's like, we want more responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> or we want to be responsible. It, uh, there are no, uh, at least not the popular songs about responsibility. I want to be a role model for responsibility, how responsibility works, and also help people lighten up. Because we are here and we are in this reality and we have a limited amount of time and we should try and make it of a good use mm -hmm. and conflict and anger and resentment and hatred and so on are usually not good use of your time. It, yeah. it, it's poison. And life is far from being easy. I mean, it is just like very existence of a person, you know, even like a, a, a being mm -hmm. is mind-blowing. Mm -hmm. It's mind-blowing. How can this be? How can, I mean, how can I, conscious being, exist? Yeah. You know, and where, where does it come from? What was I doing in the, uh, in the Middle Ages? Right. Why, why, <laughs> why was it, you know, uh, so, and I think just like, uh, it should be our duty and it has been we've been on the path to eliminate conflict and minimize pain mm -hmm. there is less pain now than there was in the 17th century yeah. it is but we need to do better and i believe it starts with you mm -hmm. here now right. and that was something i wanted to uh, create more awareness about things that are happening in countries all around us like with Islamophobia, for mm -hmm. instance, yeah. and refugees from Syria. Then I used to live in Sweden mm -hmm. in the 90s, and I experienced their extreme right-wing mm -hmm. groups of people, and I've never experienced that here. Yeah, okay. But I was kind of afraid that it would happen here. Yeah, it could. Or it could. Yeah, yeah. I want to uh, try and create some awareness that it wouldn't happen here yeah. and it hasn't really i mean yeah. right-wing populist political groups are usually just ridiculed yeah okay yeah that's good to know <laughs> i hope you enjoyed listening to part two of this interview part three will be released next week so make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss it